You are listening to the Gateway Church in Spring Lake, Michigan. To learn more, visit us at thegatewaygh.com. Amen. Amen. We do first thing. Can we just pray first, and and uh, and then we will we will proceed from there. Father, uh, I just thank you, Lord. We give glory to you. And we pray, God, right at this moment, Father, that you'll begin to prepare our hearts to receive what the Holy Spirit would give us today, Lord. Thank you for these beautiful people, Father. And we ask, Lord, that as the word is being ministered, Lord, let us receive it, O oh God. Let us receive it with love, Father. If it's challenging, O oh Lord, let us receive it, O oh God, with, 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 with a courageous heart. In the name of Jesus, we give honor and glory to you. Everyone said amen. 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 Praise God. Well, it is my pleasure to be here with you this morning. This has been a, uh, a long time coming. It is, um, I believe, the, the enemy has tried to prevent it from happening. We tried all. It Actually, we were supposed to be here last week, and, uh, and we were supposed to go. And when I say we, we're talking about some of the John 17 church uh, pastors. It's like four or five of us, and we had committed ourselves to uh, to swapping services, and uh, we would uh, Ben would go to one, and I would go to other, and we would do that for an entire month, and um, it ended up that it was just after, for whatever reason, it ended up just being Ben and I, <laughs> and 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 when we first started, it was about four of us in our pastors group, and different things came up, and pastor, pastor, and uh, the the other pastors. Uh, I'm the only one, that, uh, my church is the only one that does not do two services. So part of the whole idea of doing the, the swapping was for unification, get together. Uh, and, and then the other thing was to uh, allow a break, so to, so to speak, a little break so that we could, um, you know, have a message that we would preach one week at our church, the next week at another church, the next week. And, you know, the even each week and each message is different, but the preparation would, you know, we wouldn't have that time in prep time. So we're going around the, the room and it says, okay, and this week, Chris, you will be there and, and then I'm going to be at your church. And then, uh, Chris, the next week you're going to be at Chris's church. And then the next week you're going to be at, uh, and it, when it was all said and done, I realized that I wasn't getting a break. <laughs> they only had, to, when they came to my church, they prayed to once. And when I went to their church, I was preaching twice. I'm like, where did I say, how was this fair? <laughs> ben says, hey, man, that's just how it fell. <laughs> so, but he is a, uh, as he said in the introduction, he is a good friend of mine. I love him like a brother. We have connected uh, from day one. And uh, I've been in this, uh, I feel like I've uh, been here before and I'm at home. Uh, and Ben told me that I could make myself at home. I promise I won't take my shoes off, but but I'm going to I'm going to uh, minister under the unction of the Holy Spirit. My beautiful wife Lisa is with me this morning, and, and we just celebrated July July 6. We celebrated 32 years of marriage, and so that that's awesome in these days. And though back in the day it used to be a given that you know couples would be together for 32 years, but uh, but um, nowadays, that's not the case, but I praise God for it. She is a, uh, a help me uh, in its truest sense. Amen. 
Listen, we're going we're gonna to share the word. The Lord has given me, a, um, I know my purpose, I know my assignment. And when I first got into ministry and answered the call of the Lord on my life, uh, I had these, these visions of grandeur, of, of traveling the world. And um, I had, you know, I had heard others prophesy to different ones that uh, you're going to speak before millions and this. And I'm like, well, how can that can't be me? And, uh, and, and so when I answered the call to ministry, um, it, has, uh, it has gone totally different than what I envisioned and what I pictured. Um, I've, I haven't spoken in front of millions. Uh, I haven't uh, spoken even out of the country. Uh, I don't do a lot of speaking outside of my church. And I'm so grateful that this morning that we have the opportunity, and I know Ben and I are in or we're, we're sort of similar in that uh, that sense. I know he's uh, our church is the first ministry that he is actually uh, speaking at, and uh, and so I feel uh, I feel honored and privileged uh, that Ambassadors uh, has opened the door so the word can go forth um, uh, from uh, awesome man of God. Um, but I I, I understand now. Um, it's just because what God has called me to be, and I can't be anybody else but who I am. I can't do anything else, anything else but what the Lord has called me to do. And one of the things that the Lord has given me is uh, for the body, and, and I know there's different, uh, different giftings in the body, there's different uh, anointings uh, that he places on individuals. And, uh, and so um, the Lord has given me, and, and I just have a, 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 no matter what it is, I always look at making a challenge out of it and if we're going to build the body of Christ if we're going to be the end time church if we're going to impact the world the region uh, we're going to impact our neighborhood in fact if we're going to impact our homes um, we have to be about the Lord's business uh, and oftentimes there's a few things that as believers that we we struggle with and they're, 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 they're C words. And two of the words that we struggle with is uh, cost and commitment. Throw another one in there, challenge. Now, there's a couple C words that the church like, the body loves, and that's convenience and comfort. If it's convenient, we're good. If it's comforting, we're really all right. We really don't have a problem in the body until it's a challenge to us, until we have to look at something that's going to cost us something, that's going to be a sacrifice for us, something that's going to challenge us. Today, I want to challenge you, but every time I preach, it just seems like no matter what it, the word is, it's, it's a challenging word. And I challenge you, and, and, and it's, it, uh, it's interesting because Pastor Ben said, Pastor Chris, I give you license to challenge Gateway. And that's what my intention is going to be this morning. I intend to challenge you so that you can be the best gateway possible. The, get, the, the greatest gateway, I pray for you guys all the time. Every Monday, you're in my, you in my prayers. Uh, Jessica, Reagan, Logan, I pray for you guys all the time. I see you back there, right? Uh, uh, Reagan, I'm so proud of what God is doing in your life. It seems that I know you because we've talked, uh, Ben and I talk so much about our families. And, uh, and the same with you, Logan. And, and I just believe that God wants the body to 
uh, to, to sacrifice some things that are convenient and comfort for us to get to a place where we can transform and be transformative wherever we would find ourselves. So this morning, let's turn in our Bibles to the book of uh, Luke. Book of Luke. And before we read there, we're going to to get our minds set on, uh, on the word committed. There's a, there's an, an, and I want that word to be planted as this, as, as this word is going forth. The word committed. Committed is defined as a loyal, loyal to a belief, an organization, or group, and willing to work hard for it. Loyal to a belief, an organization or group and willing to work hard for it. Today, what happens is that there are so many things that compete for our commitment. Everybody is busy. Everybody has a lot of things to do. And if we're not careful as believers in the body of Christ, we will find ourselves placing commitments in other places that really, I mean, that's not in itself bad, but does not really uh, sow the type of seed and make the type of impact that the kingdom of God needs in these days that we're living in. Amen? All righty. Luke 14, verse 25. Now, we've been given an assignment, and it, we have decided that we would choose a parable that, uh, that one of our favorite parables for this United Summer Series. Uh, there are so many. I could not, I don't have just one favorite but the Lord placed this one upon my heart. And in Luke 14, beginning in verse 25, the word reads, Now great crowds accompanied him, and he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple disciple. The one thing I want you to understand is being a, dis being a disciple of the Lord doesn't come cheap. It is not an easy thing. It is not a casual thing. And I believe that today, oftentimes in the body of Christ, uh, we, we have made the, the serving the Lord real casual and easy. And Jesus began to address the crowd. Now, this is, of course, after he had had dinner, and uh, in fact, there's a couple of the parables, a parable of the, of the banquet where, it, uh, uh, where he begins to talk about the, the wedding feast and, and those things. And he had an opportunity to observe the individuals as they jockeyed for different positions, uh, sit at the best places at the table. And now uh, they're, they're, they're transitioning and they're walking, and, and there's a great crowd around Jesus. Now, most people are honored particularly us pastors, when you can get a great crowd to follow you. Now, Jesus, of course, he's, he, he, he was in all, the, all of the five-fold ministry, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. He was all of those. And you would think that when a crowd is following, that Jesus would get excited. But Jesus began to challenge the crowd because he realized that even though that there was a crowd that was following him, Everybody in the crowd was not a disciple. 
And just because churches are full, just because there's people that are hanging off of the rafters does not mean that the church is full of disciples. See, there's a difference between going to church, being a member of a church, being a part of a church, being a Christian, being a believer, and being a disciple. All right? See, Christian, the word Christian didn't even come into play until after Jesus has gone and died. And, and we read that in Acts where they were first called Christians. The Bible says that even the devil believes. And I like that term. I always, I use the word believer. Believers, the, uh, us in the body of Christ. But even in that sense, a person can believe and not be a disciple. So what Jesus was saying is that I see all of you following. I see every, I see the crowd. But what I want to address is priority and commitment. And Jesus began to disclose three areas that compete and challenge us for our priority and our commitment. These things can become roadblocks or stumbling blocks to those of us that are in the body of Christ, those of us that have given our lives to the Lord, those of us that the Lord has his thumbprint on and says, I need you here and I need you there and I need you to be an impact in these last days. But if we're not ready to prioritize, if we're not ready to commit then we become, as the Bible says, salt that has lost its flavor. And salt that has lost its, its flavor ain't nothing but sand. <laughs> Just something gritty. I would imagine it would have some purpose for it but, it, but the purpose that it was intended for has been neglected. And unfortunately, I believe that even today, if we're not careful, that the purpose in which we were intended for, to transform the earth, to bring light to a dark place, to give flavor to where there is none, to make things alive where things were once dead. See, that's what we're supposed to do. That's the body of Christ, a living organism. Knitted together, all different types, different backgrounds, different cultures, different ethnicities, different gender, all, all coming together for a common purpose and ministering and changing the world, winning people over to the Lord, lifting his name up so that he gets the glory. So Jesus stands and he looks and he's got this crowd of people following him. And Jesus says, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, in verse 26, he cannot be my disciple. And this, is a, this statement is sort of hard to digest at first. Because here is the God of love. Jesus, who is love, the embodiment of love, saying, if you don't hate your mother, your father, your sister, your brother, or your spouse, 
You can't be my disciple. That's hard. That's, that's, that's kind of tough to swallow. Now, imagine the crowd, the multitudes that was following. Because sometimes people follow because they want to be seen with someone popular. They want to be a part of what's happening. They want to be a part of the end thing. You see it, and you know, we have new churches pop up, and all of a sudden, people begin to leave and gravitate because it's new. Not saying God's anointing isn't, isn't, wasn't where you left or where you're going, but it's new, and people like things new. People like the what, what is it, whatever is exciting, whatever is uh, the end thing. And so you had all of these people, these multitudes following, and Jesus looked at them, and instead of saying, wow, look at my big church. God is good. But look what he has done, and all these people are following me, and praise God. Glory be to you, Father, for all of these people have seen the light. But the Lord knew that within that multitude, there were those whose priorities was not on him, whose priorities was not on the kingdom, whose priorities was not on the Father, whose priorities was not on love, not on the fruit of the Spirit, not on, not on spiritual growth. And so he challenged them with some of the hardest things a person can say. If you don't hate your mother, your father, your sister, or your brother, or your spouse, no, he, he didn't leave out anybody in the immediate family. And the first thing we have to understand is that family can be a roadblock. Family can be a, a hindrance to us prioritizing them over the Lord. Now, let's address what this hate means because it's not like our Western uh, word hate and how we use it. In the context, in the Semitic context in which it was used, the word was actually used as a preference. There's a preference. In other words, Malachi chapter third, chapter one, verse two and three says, I have loved Esau, I have loved you, says the Lord. But you say, how have I loved us? Is not Esau Jacob's brother, declares the Lord. Yet I have loved Jacob, but, I, but Esau I have hated. What we, what we get in that sense is that there was, the Lord gave a preference to Jacob. In other words, there was a priority with Jacob because of the call on his life. Not so much, did, did you know that two people <coughs> can be a, a brother, let's say two brothers, and in this case it was two brothers. One can be given an abundance, and the other have nothing taken from him, and that's a preference. Now, because nothing has been taken from him, does that mean that the Lord despises that individual, hates that individual? No, just because the Lord gives an abundance, open doors and shows, and shows favor to one, and the other 
has not had anything taken from them, that's no cause for the, for the individual to become disgruntled. But often when we see individuals prospering and we're not, we take issue. In that light, we see that Esau was that Jacob was preferred over Esau. So in this sense, we're not talking about the kind of hate that we would use as hate, mean, angry, despise. The Lord was saying that if anything comes before the Lord Jesus Christ, whether it be your mother, your father, your sister, your brother, if there has to be a choice and you choose family over me, if you choose family over the kingdom, if you choose family first, you cannot be my disciple because a disciple is one that follows Christ. So if you're a disciple, if we're disciples of Christ and we put family ahead of Christ, we're not followers of Christ, we're followers of family. You understand how that, how, how that looks? So the Lord says, you can't put others ahead of me. You can't put others in front of me. You can't prioritize anything else above me. This is the, this, but this is the good part about it. What God is saying is that when you put Jesus first, when you put the kingdom first, when you put the Father first, what happens is that now you become the greatest and best husband to your wife that you could be. You become the greatest parent that you could ever be. You'll be a greater parent by putting me first than by putting your child over me. Because what you'll be doing is modeling for that spouse, for that sibling, for that brother, that sister, that son, that daughter, that parent. What you will be doing is modeling the love of Christ. And so it's a win-win. See, when we look at it, and, and oftentimes this happens, and we have to be careful when we prioritize our children, when we prioritize our spouse, when we prioritize our parents. The Lord tells us to honor our parents so that our days can be, may be long. That's why we know that the hate is not the hate that we talk about, but there's a preference in putting God ahead of even them. That's important because when we put God ahead of them, what happens is that we become the best son. We become the greatest daughter. And our parents will reciprocate that decision that we've made of saying, I love my mom, I love my dad, I love my wife for 32 years, but first and foremost in my life is Jesus Christ. Because at the end of the day, my wife, my children, my mom, my dad, they, have, they, they, don't, they don't have a heaven or hell to place me in. I want to live eternally with the Lord Jesus Christ. And if I can model that here on earth, then, we, then, then, then those things 
that will uh, that that our children would learn from us, or those things that our siblings would glean from us. Oftentimes, I've, I if we've been in this situation, my wife and I, uh, when our child begin to uh, when our, our boys, we have three three sons now grown, uh, two married and one uh, that just graduated college, but they would get involved in all kind of sporting activities, and most of you parents know that if you have uh, uh, young children now, they can take up your time. It's a, it used to be years ago, there was no such term as soccer mom. But of course there is now. Uh, and, and so you can spend all your waking moments ripping and running back and forth. Oh, I guess, okay, now drop him off at the soccer field, go pick her up at the softball field, take her to, uh, to dance, the dance rehearsal. Oh, then she has gymnastics. Oh, and then he has band. And it's so much. And before you know it, we don't have time to pray. We don't have time to, to, to get before God. We, we, we're not coming to prayer service. We're not hitting Bible study. We, you know, on Sundays, they've got now... With, uh, with the AYBT and, a and AAU and specialty sports or whatever. They don't care about Sunday. In fact, Sundays has become a day of just another recreation day. There was a time where Sundays were for worship. There was a time when stuff closed on Sundays. Stores closed. Those that drank alcohol, if you wanted it, you, could, you better get it Saturday. Stores weren't going to open and sell it on Sunday. There was a respect. Those days are over. And what's happened is that parents now have been caught up into this matrix to where we spend every waking moment. Well, I won't be at church. I have this. I don't know about Pastor Ben, but I know in our church we have a lot of parents that have kids that are active. And, Pastor, I won't be at church for the next month. <laughs> well, we're in Indiana next week, and then he's in Chicago, and then, and I'm like, now, our son was at, was at that point, and we finally said, you know what? Um, as leaders in the body of Christ, as born-again believers, we have to model what's right. Now, we're going to allow you to do some of these things, but don't expect mom and dad to rip and run and follow you. We're going we to be at church. This was before we were pastor. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna be at church. And, and, and uh, we're going to trust some, uh, some good family people to, to get you to the weekend and to Indianapolis or whatever the, the tournament is. Uh, but we need, to, we need to show you that our first priority is honoring God, not honoring your athletic ability or your artistic ability. So am I saying we should never support our children? We should never follow? No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying that there needs to be a priority to where our children know that mom and dad, first and foremost, love the Lord. And the best thing we can do for them is to model that type of behavior. Amen? Amen. So putting Jesus first is going to make us a better person, better spouse, better sibling, and all of that. The second competition for one's affection is ourselves. So Jesus begins to say in the second part of verse 26, he says, even yourself, even yourself. Look at verse 26 again. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father, his mother, and wife, and children, and brothers, and sisters, yes, 
And there's that, that qualifier where he says, yes, in other words, and especially and even because you may dismiss this part, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Now, we're all right if we say, okay, let's put, I can put the Lord above everybody else. I can put the Lord above my, my parents, my, my siblings, my children. I don't know about putting them before, ahead of me. We, we live in the me-ism the, the me society now, you know. There was a time where there was no such word as selfie. But now there is. And if we're not careful, we will promote our own life, our own desires, our own will, our own, uh, our, our own purposes, our own pursuits. We won't inquire of the Lord to see if this is of God. We won't inquire to see is the Lord co-signing for this or is this, what the, is, it, is this, is this what's best for my life? as it relates to a believer, as it relates to being a disciple of the Lord. Sometimes if it, because if it's comforting and if it's convenient, we'll go after it. If it's pleasing to the flesh, we'll go after it. Luke 9 and 24 says, for whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life because of me will save it. See, when you put yourself first, you will lose your life. The life, that the one that we're so desperately holding on to. You see how that works? If we put ourselves first, it's because we love who we are. We love what we've become. And if we put our priorities in us, the Bible says we lose our life. So what's important to that person that puts themselves first, eventually they lose. That doesn't make a whole bunch of sense. The Lord says, in, if you lose yourself, in other words, prioritize me above yourself, then you'll gain yourself. Then you'll find out who you really are. See, the enemy's tactic is to make us think that we're somebody that we're not. Coming to church on Sundays and Bible studies and home care groups and stuff like that is to reinforce who we really are. That's why it's important to speak to our spirit man, to speak to us so that we really see, and it's not, we're more than the flesh and blood. We're more than, the, than what we see when we look in the mirror. At the end of the day, when we're all said and done, this is a body that has nothing that, 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 that's going to go back to be what it was from the beginning, dust. Without the spirit, the body dies. So we have to be concentrating on who are we really. And that's, what, that's the good thing about coming together with Bible study, coming together, reading the scriptures, that thing that is alive, coming together in corporate fellowshipping with one another sharing with one another, using our gifts and our abilities amongst each other. And that begins to show us who we really are, and then we can survive. We can live off that. It's when we get to the point to where we think we're something special, we begin to believe that we're something great. And we start listening to 
the others that tell us we're something great. And oftentimes, we'll find ourselves uh, in a position to where we've prioritized what we like over what the Lord desires, what we want over what the Lord desires. The doctrine that teaches that pleasure and happiness is the highest good is called hedonism. It was real popular in the, with the Caesars in the, in the Roman culture. And, and, and it's, a, it's a doctrine of happiness and pleasure is the highest good. Hedonistic people. But hedonistic people aren't happy people. Hedonistic people aren't fulfilled people. He, they're unfulfilled, <laughs> unsatisfied, unhealthy, because you can't continue to take in self and leave God out. That's why the Lord says, unless a person puts me first, he's looking at them, he's prioritizing, he's looking at all of the multitudes, and he's saying, look, I challenge you. I challenge you to, to, to you know, unless you have uh, 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 forsaken all these others, and unless you prefer me over those, the Lord knew, Jesus knew that there were those in the crowd that didn't prefer him. The Lord knew that if, if push came to shove, that individuals would save themselves before they would give honor to him. Jesus Christ says, there's no greater gift than when a, when a, when a, when a, than, than a brother would lay down his life for a friend. See, that's selfless. And the Lord wanted us to see this. He says, look, the Bible, the, the, the word of God is not cheap. It, and, and we would do a lot better off as a body of Christ if we would understand that. If we would understand that there's a cost of discipleship. There's a commitment that goes with it. And not everybody, not everybody is going to fall. Not everybody is going to submit to that. That is why the word says there's a, <laughs> there's a narrow road to heaven. There's a narrow road to the kingdom of God. But broad is the way to destruction. Most people will take the path of least resistance. The Lord challenges us with a, with a submission and a commitment to the word of God and to his teachings. And for those that would be his disciples, they accept that challenge. The third area which we compete, which compete for our affections is our possessions. This is what we have. The Lord often said, look, if you're not willing to leave everything behind, if you're not willing to take it, to leave it, leave it all, to walk away from it. That's what forsake means, to walk away from it, to say I'm good without it. And that's what the Lord was, remember the rich young ruler who had so much, so much stuff that he couldn't leave it. He couldn't walk away from it. Why? Because it, 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 it had become who he was. He had became caught up 
in the world. The Bible says that we are to seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all of these things, things, possession, stuff, things, promotion, adulation for men, things will be added knowing what we really have need of. Verse 33 in Luke 14 says, in the same way, therefore, every one of you who does not say goodbye to all his possessions cannot be my disciple. Now, he's not advocating socialism or anything like that or getting rid of, of everything. His point is this, is that if your heart is, 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 is connected to those things to the degree to where they become more important than your life, of serving the Lord, then that's your, that's your God. That's your priority. That's your commitment. And we have to be willing to walk away from even some of those things, to walk away from even some of the things that we like. Lord has blessed us tremendously with a lot of stuff, all of us in this country, even the poorest people in this country, compared to some people that are living in third world, are truly blessed. Amen. And, and he has blessed us. And, but if we're not willing to walk away from those things, and he may never ask you to, but sometimes there, I believe that the Lord oftentimes see us getting too close to certain things and will begin to speak through the Holy Spirit and tell us to leave it alone, to give it away, to drop it, to quit that, to walk away from that, to resign from this thing. But that's who I am. Everybody know me as that person, the Lord says. But I want you to walk away from it. Can you walk away from it? Or are you tied to it because of what it affords you? Are you tied to it because you get adulation and, and you're somebody? Are we willing to walk away from things that make us feel good? Are we willing to give things up? in order to serve God to a greater purpose. For which of you, in verse 28, says, desiring to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it. Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king going out to encounter another king in war, will not sit down first and deliberate whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000. And if not, while and, and if not, while the other is yet a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. Now the Lord begins to share and say, look, the cost of discipleship is great. The cost of discipleship, which person, which man decides to build a, a, a project, a building project, and is not first considered what it's going to take to complete the job? Now, mind you, he's talking to people that are following him. Mind you, he had just said, if you, if you, if you haven't uh, been willing to forsake everything, you cannot be my disciple. And disciples is the only term that Jesus ever used concerning his followers. Never believers, never Christians, but disciples. And then he says, what king? 
would enter into a war with 10,000 and, and does not already know that his opponent has 20,000. The art of war, you may have heard of it, Sun Tzu, oh, ancient manuscript of a war. And even today, a lot of generals and army generals from every nation uh, refer to uh, Sun Tzu. And that was one of the principles of Sun Tzu, know who you're fighting. And if the enemy is, is, is outnumbers you, don't fight. <laughs> in fact, in a lot of places, he says, run, flee. That's just wisdom. And the Lord is saying, before you evoke on a project, before you begin to build a, a, a building or take on a project, make certain that you have the cost to take care of it. Now, I know you guys know that about uh, here at Gateway. I am so pleased and, 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 and excited for the new, for the groundbreaking that took place a few Sundays ago. Give yourselves a hand clap. But Pastor Ben and the leadership in the, in, of Gateway, did for, they didn't just all of a sudden just go out there with a shovel, stick it in the ground and say, we're going to build. I, was, I mean, I remember the days we prayed right here. Remember the time we prayed, and this was a vision that was, that was cast. This was a desire. And the cost was counted to see if it was able to be done. That's wisdom. The Lord says, before you say, I want to be your disciple, consider what, I'm, consider what, what you're asking. Consider what you're saying. That you're going to have to be willing to walk away from anything that competes with my affection. Are you willing to do that? That's what he says. Is there anything that you're going to prioritize over me? Consider it now. Isn't, wouldn't that be awesome, man? But that's not how we have altar calls. That's not how we join people to the church. You know, people join church now through, you know, uh, internet, satellite ministries. And I'm not saying those things are, 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 are bad. I'm just saying that the, 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 the personal instruction, we don't, under, we don't really tell the cost. Remember, you see all of the, the flyers in, in, the, in the, the ads, the, the, the military ads that go out, uh, be all that you can be, and, and uh, global, the Navy, a global force uh, for good across the, across the earth and all of those things. And they show all these pictures, the fun stuff, and jumping out of planes, and that's exciting, and all of that. Never show anybody being shot and killed. They never show disease or roadside bombings. They never show any. Why? Because people will say, look, if that's what it's going to cost, if that's the sacrifice I got to make, I'm good. And unfortunately, we do that to the church. We tell them they can, have, they can name it and claim it. They can have anything you want. You get saved, and, and now all of a sudden, G Jesus becomes your genie in the bottle. Anytime you're in trouble, you rub him a little bit, and you get what you ask for. Suffering, <laughs> ain't no suffering. You're my, you know, you're not in faith if you're suffering. You ever heard that before? Well, when the Lord says, look, if I suffered, you're going to suffer. <laughs> if they hated me, they're going to hate you. Because of my sake. See, that's true discipleship. When you're hated for the cause of Christ. 
That's true. That's the challenge for the believer. That's the challenge for the church today. We have to understand that a, a partial surrender will end in failure every time. Do you love the Lord? Oh, sort of. I think so. Is Jesus Lord of your life? What does that mean? What's that? Jesus, Lord of our lives. We don't determine the cost. Wouldn't it be simple? I mean, not simple, but what Jesus is saying, and, and this is not me, but if you read it for yourself, Jesus is saying, you want to be my disciple, this is what you're going to have to endure. This is what you're going to have to experience. This is what you're going to have to give up. Give up something. He says, now only those individuals will be not my disciple. You can't put me above mom, dad, friends, I mean, uh, uh, family members. If you can't love me more than yourself, if you can't uh, be willing to walk away from possessions, from worldly ties, if asked to, you can't be my disciple. Now, altar calls like that would be a little different. Come to the altar. Now, each one of you, for this is what's going to be required of you or expected of you, and then we start telling them that. Now, how many still want to be a disciple of Christ? Every, all eyes closed, heads bowed, so nobody don't see everybody go back to their seat. We don't want to embarrass anybody. So what we've done is we've made, we've made following Christ and being a disciple of Christ, we've made it casual so that everybody can enjoy. And when Jesus is explicitly saying, this ain't for everybody. Everybody will not do this. This is not for the weak, but for the strong. I was talking about ads and stuff. Remember the Marines, they're the only ones that tell the truth. The few. <laughs> First thing they say, the few. We know everybody can't do this. We know everybody is not cut out for this. The question is, are you? You say, well, I, I, I want to be. Well, praise the Lord. God bless. He works with a heart that wants to. Scripture talks about it first there being a willing mind. He says, sit down. If a person sit down, he uses that phrase twice. If a, does not sit down and count the cost. When he's talking about the building and when he's talking about the army, does not sit down. What that means is, look, I need to stop and carefully consider what I'm about to do. Sit down. Think about this. And the reason I believe that the Lord is so forceful in this is because he knows that halfway doing anything generally creates a bunch of halfway, a, 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 a weak church, a weak body. And because it gives the impression that, oh, anybody can join this. Anybody can do that. And you don't get the best out of people when we go halfway. We just get 
what they're willing to give us that day. <laughs> and the Lord says, look, I, if you want to be my disciple, you got to be willing to do these things. And I believe that the Lord has wants his body, wants his church to be a force in these last days. I believe that the Lord wants his, wants, wants his body a full of, I believe he wants Gateway to be full of disciples. Showing the world that it's cool to be a disciple of the Lord. It's not easy. It's not casual. You have to be committed. But the sacrifice, the price, the reward of being a disciple is worth the cost that it's going to have for us. Because it's not cheap. It's going to cost us something. When we look at the reward and our sins being washed away, when we look at the fact that we will be ever able to live in all eternity, I'm not even talking about this earth, this life. I'm talking about in the big picture because this life is but a vapor. It's here today, gone tomorrow. Even if, it, even if we live to be 150, in the big scheme of things, it's a small amount of time compared to the eternity that we get to live with our Lord who has given us eternal life, who has placed his spirit within us, who gave his only son, Jesus, to die for us so that we could live for him, with him forever in his presence. If we think praise and worship here at Gateway is awesome, imagine the praise and worship man in heaven. Imagine the angelic beings. Imagine the golden heart. Imagine the voices. Imagine the multitude, every kindred, every tongue. Imagine all of that being in that presence. Man, I was moved by your praise and worship, Bobby. You guys are awesome. Praise God. Your pastor's a worshiper. Sometimes he comes to our groups and he says, let's just worship today. He <laughs> said, so we did here. He had his CDs playing and we just, we didn't even talk. He just, I just want to play some worship music. Imagine that in heaven. Ooh. I don't know about y'all. This last scripture is Philippians 3 and 8. Indeed, I count everything as loss of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things. Say all things. Say it one more time, all things. I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. In order that I may gain Christ. Praise God. In order that I may gain Christ. Everything else I count as rubbish. There's a cost for discipleship. There'll come a day where we'll have to give an account for how we live the time that we have on this earth. You can come, uh, Bobby, thank you. Jesus wants to experience the life of a 100 complete surrender to him. Now, I'm not certain of how many in here but through this word begin to have their heart stirred, begin to examine our place in Christ. 
You see, I'm not saying that the church is doomed. I'm not saying that nobody, that, 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 that individuals that find themselves and have not totally 100% surrendered, I'm not saying they're not saved. What I am saying is that we've allowed, we, when, when, when we don't completely surrender, when we don't become disciples of the Lord, we leave opportunity for the enemy. We're to walk in a manner that is upright so that individuals may see our commitment and our faithfulness. And oftentimes that, that requires a sacrifice on our part. Just while you're sitting there, just close your eyes and just allow the Holy Spirit to minister to you for a moment as I pray. I want to give opportunity for the altar, those that desire to come to the altar. You may want to have someone just, uh, I'll pray with you. If you feel is that there has been uh, a disconnect with the Lord, if you feel that you know that the Holy Spirit has been tugging on your heart, I don't know if uh, maybe that you've never had opportunity to receive Christ where you can become a disciple of his. If that's you in any of those areas, I want to pray with you. If you've never received Christ, just raise your hand. If you're in a place to where you're, 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 you're not satisfied with your walk, just raise your hand. We'll pray. We'll pray. Thank you. I see the hand. I see the hand. Keep it up. Keep it up. We're going to pray. You're in a place and you're saying, Lord, I want to be better. I, I, want, I know I haven't forsaken all things and I, I'm not there yet, but I want to be. Just raise your hand. I believe the Lord will sense that prayer. Thank you. I see those hands. I believe the Lord will respond to this plea, to this call. Thank you. Father, there are individuals right now that have their hands raised. It is those individuals, Lord, that desire to be true disciples. It is those individuals today, Lord, that I pray, God, that your spirit, Lord, will grab hold of. I pray, God, that every stumbling block, every barrier, Lord, every situation, every relationship, anything, Father, that has prevented them, Lord, from totally and completely surrendering to your will, from, not, from being ashamed of the gospel, from being ashamed of being a born-again believer. Father, I pray, God, that you will give them resolve, that you will fortify them in their hearts, that you will give them courageousness, Lord, to be able to walk upright, to be bold in their walk with you. I pray, God, that the fleshly things, Lord, will be dropped even now. I pray, Lord, that the, that the things that the world has to offer, Father, will become useless to them, oh Lord. I pray, God, that they begin to hunger even more, Father, for you to be like you. I pray, for Father, for a transformation of their mind, a renewing to take place, Lord, in their spirit, Lord. 
As their hands are raised, Lord, you do it. You do it, Lord. And I pray, God, that they will be bold enough, Lord, to give you the praise, glory, and honor. I pray, Father, that they would be bold enough to share and to tell someone that they're a new creature. I pray that they would be bold enough, Lord, when they leave this place, that they would be bold enough to commit, Lord, to what you're speaking, Lord. Let them hear your voice. It is so precious, God. Let them know, Father, that you love them. You will never leave them or forsake them, and you have always been there with them. And it is because of the Holy Spirit, Father, that they are here today, Lord. We thank you. It is because of the Holy Spirit, Father, that they raised their hand today, Lord. We thank you. Thank you, Holy Ghost, for ministering to this house this morning. We give honor and glory to you, Lord. May the blessings, Father, fall continually upon this place, continually upon Pastor Ben and the leadership. And let them come second in nothing, O oh Lord, as they put you first, Father, at Gateway. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Well, God bless all of you. I thank you all for allowing me to come and share the word of the Lord with you. I appreciate you guys. God bless you. Hopefully, we'll have an opportunity to share again. Amen. Amen. God bless. Thank you for listening to this week's message from the Gateway Church. If you'd like to find out more about our church, such as service times, giving, and ways to get connected, visit us at thegatewaygh.com.